It's time for You Better You Bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller coming to you on a Tuesday. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM filling in for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley over the next four Days are with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time, so 3 to 7. You can watch us on twitch.tv slash BeckQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can go over to BeckQLnetwork.com. You can also watch us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. It's going to be a fun next couple days. Mark, always great seeing you, man. How are you? Any uh, football withdrawals now? This is always like the toughest stretch, mm. right? Like the the couple days after the Super Bowl when we have this long wait until August September again it's it's uh it's never easy it really is tough but I'll, I'll tell you what PJ like the machine never stops like it's going to be you know we're gonna get a couple weeks of where we're like wow we really miss football and you know we're diving into other sports and then boom the draft's gonna start to heat up we're gonna start hammering away you know draft positions and whatnot so it's gonna be a lot of fun man it never stops though football you know is always there um, but right now, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a lull, but what a season, man. I mean, just an, an incredible game, an incredible Super Bowl overtime. Can't beat that. No, it, it certainly was a, uh, a good finish. It picked up a lot in the second half. The Chiefs end up winning their third Super Bowl with Mahomes. The Niners fall short yet again. Mark, I saw a crazy stat. The last seven times that San Francisco has been to the postseason, they have either lost in the Super Bowl or lost in the NFC Championship game. Like, you can't get any closer than the Niners are getting. So, like, when you watch that game on Sunday, like, what's the next step? Because San Francisco is favored to win the Super Bowl again next season, right? We know their roster is really good. I think Purdy now has proven to everyone that he is certainly good enough to win a Super Bowl. The Niners very easily could have won that game. So what are your thoughts on San Francisco? Like, what's it going to take for them finally to get over the hump? I don't know if they are. And I don't mean that in, like, a, a negative way towards San Francisco. I think they're very talented. But when you look at this season and the way we talked about this team, you know, for the majority of this season, one of the most, you know, efficient offenses in NFL history, Brock Purdy was just putting up incredible, you know, EPA numbers. And I, I'm not sure what more they can do than to get in this position. And they got into a big game and they were outplayed. And they were outplayed and I think they were outcoached. And I, I'm not sure, like, at this point, like, what they can do. It's hard to get back to the Super Bowl. You know, trust me, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I know it's it's not – you might think you're getting back to the Super Bowl, but, you know, it always doesn't play out that way. And when you look at how the 49ers are built, you know, the offense, the physicality from the wide receivers, the yards they have to catch, right, the main, uh, you know – Achilles heel for them has been their ability to stay healthy. And we even saw it this year in a year where they were healthy, you know, Debo Samuel banged up again towards the end of the year. Right. And, you know, Brock Purdy was able to stay healthy, but that's, that was, has been a rarity in Kyle Shanahan's system for the quarterback, you know, to be healthy the majority of the season. So are they going to have another year like that next year? You know, is it better? Those are the things you have to look at. They were fortunate, you know, to get through the season without any massive injuries at the end. Trent Williams going to be another year older, right? So there's a lot of things that they have to look at um, in order to kind of get back to the mountaintop. But as far as getting, you know, getting over the hump, I'm just not sure this team is is going to be able to do it. 
I mean, you really can't get any closer than they've gotten here as of late, especially in that game. They, you got to be kicking yourself if you're a Niners fan, Mark. Like you, this, Kansas City lost five fumbles in that game, recovered four mm-hmm. of them, and then San Francisco lost two fumbles in that game, didn't recover either. Both fumbles were huge, right? McCaffrey on the opening drive, you go right down the field, you're getting some momentum, and then he fumbles and the draw, the, the drive obviously stalls. And then obviously that muffed punt kind of just flipped the game on its head. Kansas City, that was the only touchdown that they scored in regulation, and it was a gift from the Niners. So I, they couldn't play any better. Purdy didn't turn the ball over. I thought he was really good. They had success pretty much for the most part running the ball. You know, I mean, they didn't really gash Ooh. Kansas City for any big gains. But, I mean, it was okay. They certainly ran the ball more than the Ravens did. Um, but, <laughs> I just, man, if you're San Francisco, especially considering how bad their defense was the first two playoff games against Green Bay and Detroit, they they certainly showed up against Kansas City. But, it's tough, man. And if you're Shanahan, like at this point, it just kind of, it almost messes with you, right? Like it gets in your head. You've been up twice on this same team in the Super Bowl by 10 points, and you've been unable to beat them. You've been unable to put it away. And you look at that roster, man, like there really aren't any weaknesses. You have the best running back in football. You got two number one receivers. You have the best left tackle. You've got an all pro tight end. Maybe you have to upgrade the O-line a little bit. Maybe you got to get a little bit better in the secondary. The kicker, Jake Moody, was a big question mark, but he had two massive kicks in that game. So I know the extra point miss was was a big deal, but I thought he was good otherwise. It's just there, there's not much room for improvement for San Francisco, Mark. And I think that's the frustrating thing, right? It's like you look at a team with Detroit – and it's like, okay, clearly they got to improve the pass defense. If they can get that figured out, they could be really, really good. With this Kansas City team, it was, can they score enough points on offense? As great as Mahomes and Kelsey are, can the other guys around them step up? This San Francisco team, top to bottom, like that roster is so solid, man. And, you know, they're going to have some free agents coming up here in the next couple of years. This might be like their only last shot with this group to get it done to your point i mean i know brady and the patriots made it look easy for years i know the chiefs have made it look easy these last five or six years but it's tough it's tough getting back to this point and the Lions should be better philadelphia and dallas could be tough i mean you know green bay with jordan love might be interesting so we'll see the niners to me are still the heavy favorites to get back to the super bowl but you just I don't know how much more confidence you can have in this team. Like they should have won that mm-hmm. game on Sunday. Their defense was more than good enough for them to win that game. They just couldn't get it done. Well, there's good news and bad news for 49ers fans, right? You know, the the bad news is if it, you mentioned the strength of the roster and how everything went well for them this year. Yes, they lost a couple fumbles, you know, in the Super Bowl. But if Kyle Shanahan isn't going to win the big games with this type of roster, when he has a talent edge over everybody in the league, you know, they were what, like six point, you know, favorites against the Ravens during the season. Like from a roster strength perspective, it does not get any stronger than what the 49ers were. And he still came up short. And the bad news is, is, they came up short because Kyle Shanahan was outcoached in this game. Steve Spagnola, you know, really took him to the woodshed. When you talk about the run blitzes that they did to slow down the San Francisco running game, to make Purdy pass in the second half, 
you know, a lot of what they did against the Ravens, they were able to do against the 49ers. And he didn't have those answers. You know, uh, Brandon Ayuk, you know, he's their man beater. Um, they weren't able to get him the ball. You know, Spagnola was able to double him. Shanahan did not have a counter. Debo Samuel completely taken out of the game. George Kittle, very quiet, right? So, you know, when you're in these big type of games, you know, there, there's no easy coach on the other side, right? You know, the Barry Switzer Dallas Cowboys situation just doesn't come around nowadays. So you're going to have to bring your A game as a coach. The good news for the 49ers is they have one of the brightest minds in the NFL as their head coach. And, you know, history shows you that these types of coaches, you look at Andy Reid, you know, eventually can get over the hump, you know, with, with the right players around them. So um, I'm not saying that, you know, Kyle Shanahan is not going to be able to win in San Francisco, but I think a lot of the blame for them not getting over the hump, you know, has to fall on his shoulders. He has to look in the mirror. The roster was there. You know, he got out coached in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, that that talent is good enough. Shanahan continues to be a question mark. I do give him a ton of credit for going for it on that fourth down. You know, I thought for mm -hmm. sure he was going to kick it, but he went for it. He got rewarded. Um, but like you said, you know, I think that's why a lot of people like the Chiefs heading into this game anyways was because they had obviously the better quarterback, better head coach, better kicker. And in a neutral site game, they had the experience to go with it. They found a way to win it in the end. On the other side, I mean, what are your thoughts about the Chiefs? For me, Mark, like what this season has taught me about Kansas City is I don't care what they do in the regular season. Like it really doesn't matter. As long as they get in to the playoffs, like they're going to be the team to beat. And they might not get priced that way next year, two years, three years. But as long as they have Mahomes, like that is going to be the team, right? We wanted to see what he would be like in the postseason when he had to play away from Arrowhead and he checked all those boxes. We wanted to see what would happen when he went up against teams that were more talented than his and if he could still win those games. He checked those boxes. I mean, the Chiefs for the second half of the season, like, were not a good football team. They didn't score mm -hmm. their defense you know, wasn't as good as it was towards the end of the year, but they just turn on this switch. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's a lesson that moving forward, Kansas City could be the one seed. They can be the seven seed. They can be at home on the road, injured. It doesn't matter. As long as they have Mahomes, like they, we got to treat them like we treated Brady and Belichick in those Patriot teams. Yeah, I think even stronger. I mean, even stronger just because. You know, when we look at the Chiefs and what they endured this year, you know, not a very good football team on paper. And they still overcome everything and are able to win in this type of year. And it feels like a broken record because I feel like I said the same thing after the Eagles lost to the Chiefs last year. I said, wow, like this was the year. Like Mahomes is rolling out there with Juju Smith-Schuster, TikTok boy, you know, catching touchdown passes. We're not going to get this fortune in the future. And then lo and behold, this year, you know, the, the wide receivers were a big issue, right? I think better long-term with, you know, Rashi Rice and, and some of the guys they have there, but really a lot of struggles during the season. And then what do we see? They flip the switch in the playoffs. They find a way to utilize those guys. Mahomes starts trusting Rice more, and the offense takes a big leap, and they win the Super Bowl again. So the question for betters is not, you know, are the Chiefs going to win the Super Bowl next year, but is when are they not going to win the Super Bowl going forward? You know, Ken Barkley, uh, I believe it was last year, might even been the year before, talked about how, you know, you might want to just bet the Chiefs every single year. 
You know, like Lockheed's like just bet them every single year if we're going to get these prices. And as long as they win, you know, one or two Super Bowls, you're going to make some money here. And I, I think that's a good way to approach it. I already bet KC plus 750 for next year. Yeah, they're plus 750. San Francisco, who we were talking about, they're the favorites at plus 500. Baltimore, who is the number one seed in the AFC this year, they're plus 850. The Bills and the Lions, 12 to 1. You got the Bengals, and Joe Burrow is going to be back at 14 to 1, and Dallas at 16 to 1. So is KC your pick, like as of today, as of right now, or did you just pick them just because of the price and just because that they're the team you trust most? that will be in the postseason and that, you know, obviously you have the least amount of questions about heading into the playoffs next year. Yeah, I mean, I think getting them at, at plus 750 is pretty good value, knowing what we know, that like even with, you know, a very depleted roster, you know, Mahomes, Reed, Kelsey, they can overcome that and win. Um, when I'm looking at the broad landscape of the futures market, um, I, I think there's value on a couple teams. Like I like the value with the Bengals, Coming off a year where Joe Burrow was injured, right? You still get them at a really good number. I know before it was around 16 to 1 or somewhere in that area. Not sure where it's at right now, but um, I think that that's a team. Like going into this season, we were like, watch out. The Bengals, they've shown they can beat Kansas City. Joe Burrow, if he's healthy, you know, the offense is going to be incredible. I think next year, the defense, they can fill up some holes. They'll be right back there. You know, I think they're the, really the team on the futures market that jumped out to me. And if you go further down the board, I mean, Cleveland, you know, looked pretty strong with Joe Flacco. If they can get the quarterback position figured out, how do they figure that out is, is a big question. But, you know, they're all the way down the odds boards, but they have the defense. If they can get the quarterback and Nick Chubb comes back healthy, um, they could be a team that could contend. Certainly could. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, they had a ton of injuries. Flacco was by far their best quarterback last year. If they can get figured that out, they could be interesting. The Jets are another long shot that kind of intrigued me just because of how good that defense was. Rodgers is coming back. They have a number one in Garrett Wilson. Um, the Jets could be interesting. It's like those teams in the 20 to like 30 range, right? Like Miami, Green Bay, Houston, the Chargers with Harbaugh now, Jacksonville. You figure one of those are going to be in contention next season. I don't really know which one it's going to be. Um you know, the Bills and the Ravens, it's like they have the quarterbacks to do it. They've had head coaches that have been there for a long time that haven't been able to get to a Super Bowl in a long time. Harbaugh's obviously won one, but he hasn't been back in 12 years. McDermott's never been to one. But Buffalo, I think, could be interesting because they finally have a running game with Cook. They got to upgrade the receiver, and we'll see what happens with Diggs. But they had a lot of injuries last year to some key defensive guys. And that playoff game against Kansas City, like you could just see it unfold, how banged up and beaten they were on defense. So Buffalo is a team that's interesting. I think Cincinnati, a lot of people are going to like the Bengals. I would just wait on the Bengals because every year they start slow, right? Like Burrow's always dinged up. He's mm -hmm. always got something that he's dealing with. They're always like 0-2, 1-3 to start the season, and then they turn it on. You know, I, I don't really think that that's going to change much because Burrow obviously is going to probably have some rust. He's going to have a long layoff, probably not going to have T. Higgins back next year as well, maybe. So if you like the Bengals, I might wait on Cincinnati and get a better number. Mark and I, when we come back, going to continue talking about the Super Bowl, wrap up that conversation and look at some of the free agency moves that Maybe some teams will look at quarterback, running back. We'll dive into that. You better, you bet. Presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller.
Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller filling in for Nick and Ken here on a Tuesday. We'll uh, fill in for him the rest of the week, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch us on twitch.tv slash BetQL. You can also watch us on YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports over on the BetQL Network. Dot com also can listen to us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. Mark, we were talking about San Francisco, Kansas City last segment, kind of looking at them moving forward to next season and the next couple seasons. I just want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl overall, like what you thought of the game, because there's been a lot of talk that like that was the best game, maybe best, best Super Bowl ever that people have seen. And like, I mean, personally, I don't even think it cracks my, like, top five. I'd have to think about it. Maybe it doesn't even crack my, like, top ten. thought it was a great finish. I thought it was an exciting finish. Like mm-hmm. you said, it went to overtime. You got the ball in Mahomes' hands, you know, with the chance to win the game. Like, it was awesome. But, like, it was 10 nothing for a majority of the first half. Um, so I just think that everybody who's like, this is one of the best Super Bowls we've ever seen, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a little, like, recency bias and – in hindsight, like, what was it really like one of the best Super Bowls you've ever seen? Like, was it even in the top like five of the last 10, 15 years? I don't know. What were your thoughts? No, I don't think so. I agree with you, Pete. I mean, listen, before they, before it was the fourth quarter, Usher was the best part of the Super Bowl, right? The halftime show. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's, that's odd, right? When you think about it and some of the halftime shows that we had. But I thought the first half, like I said, it was, it was just marred with like miscues, both teams fumbling in the red zone. Um, I was only over 47 and a half. So we fell a little bit short there. Um, and I just thought that was really the key to me and how the game played out differently than I had projected, right? I had thought that Kansas City would score, you know, in their opening drive, that would kind of like get the game going, right? And get the tempo going and kind of both offenses would kind of force each other to to play with urgency. And we didn't see that because they both got into the red zone and fumbled the ball away. And that kind of set the tone to where I think, I don't want to say that both teams played scared, but it was kind of like, I felt like both teams were a little bit up against the ropes in the first half and weren't really playing with the confidence that got them there. Um, and then we've seen things open up in the second half. You know, the, the, it really got to showtime. And and the, the second half I thought was very exciting, especially the fourth quarter. The overtime piece was incredible. Um, but, it, you know, and even the drama on the fourth – on the on the drive, the last drive with Mahomes, like that fourth and one play, you know, where he keeps it and runs for about 10 yards, the spots, like the, the – the weird spots from the officials, I thought that was, you know, definitely interesting. So there was a lot of drama. Like, I thought the game was great. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't a snoozer. I was glad it picked up in the second half. But as far as, like, greatest of all time, like, I, I can't get there. You know, it was it was an overtime game, closest of all time, competitive. But the first half was more about, like, teams, you know, not playing clean football than it was about, you know, two of the best teams going head-to-head. Completely agree. I mean, Kansas City scored one offensive touchdown in regulation. You know what I mean? I thought last year's Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Eagles, personally, like I thought that was a more entertaining game. I thought that was a better game. Mm-hmm. My favorite Super Bowl, uh, at least of recent history, is the Eagles Patriots with Nick Foles. Like, I think that's just the best one. Yeah. There were no lulls in that game, right? For Tom Brady, Mark, to throw for 500 yards, for the Patriots not to punt in that game, and for them to lose, 
Like, still crazy to think about. But that, I think, is the best Super Bowl. That Cardinals-Steelers Super Bowl with uh, Santonio Holmes in the end zone, Mm -hmm. that was a great one. Um, I mean, you've had some good ones, like the Patriots comeback against the Falcons down 28-3. That was a crazy one. It's just like, as sports fans, I think everybody knows when they're watching a game, you kind of look around to your buddies or you look around to your spouses or like you just think about it and you're like, man, this this game is awesome. Like we're watching an instant classic right now. And I just never, like it just never struck me like that. You know, I, again, I thought it was a good game. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was an exciting finish, like overtime and all that. But I, I, it wasn't one where like I was waiting for NFL network to like replay it the next day. So I can go back and watch it. You know what? It wasn't one of those games oh, yeah. where like you didn't want to go to bed. You're like still buzzing over it. Cause we all have those games. Um, so I thought, I thought it was fine, but yeah, man, certainly that first half Kansas city struggled big time. It felt like San Francisco really should have been up like 14, 20 points. And that's what happens, Mark. Like, The thing is, when teams play the Chiefs, man, you do have these opportunities to take advantage of them, but teams just don't do it. And if you let them hang around Mm -hmm. for too long, like Mahomes is just too good. And and eventually they're just, they're going to make you pay every single time. Yeah, you have to put them away when you can. And that was really like when I handicapped the game and the reason why I probably had a bigger position on the total than I did decide, um, had some Kansas City plus two, but you know, my biggest position was on the over because I thought that there was a a good chance, even though I thought Kansas City could win the game, that if San Francisco got up early, got up by, you know, scoring their first drive, end up being up by 10 points early, you know, 14 points, that they could really, like, front run and get ahead of them and run away from the Chiefs and, and get to a point to where, like, Mahomes just didn't have the horses to come back. You know what I mean? Uh, but I thought that, if Kansas City was going to win the game, they would have to score, you know, 27 points. They they got slightly under there, you know, with the overtime included. Um, so I was just surprised that, you know, the offenses really struggled early. You have, you know, two weeks to get ready for this game. You have two of the most, um, you know, prolific play callers of our error. You know what I mean? And, you know, with, with time to, with extra time to prepare for the defenses. So that was really the biggest surprise is the offenses and how they struggled early, the turnovers, not playing clean football. Um, But I I thought it was great. I thought the chess match was great between, you know, uh, you know, Shanahan and and Spags and, and, you know, Spags is a guy who doesn't get enough credit, six Super Bowls, you know, he's been to, um, you know, I think that was his fourth that he won his defensive coordinator. Um, So, you know, the job that he did was tremendous, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, we saw growth from Kyle Shanahan in certain areas, you know, which is definitely a positive for the 49ers. But, um, you know, I want to say, wasn't the Panthers, uh, the Jake Del Home, Tom Brady Super Bowl, like, didn't that go to overtime too? And I think that was like another example of like the game being competitive doesn't necessarily make it the best. You know what I mean? Because you kind of knew that Tom was going to pull it out in that one. Uh, you know, it wasn't really a ton of drama. Uh, but yeah, and that's sort of the thing. So it was close. It was competitive. But Definitely not going to go down as one of the best. I'm an Eagles fan. I always like Nick Foles' story. It was a good one. But, uh, you know, so that's going to be my personal best. But so many other ones, the 28-3, to again, you know, the drama with that, just so good. I mean, look, Mark, as as a non-Eagles fan, as an unbiased guy giving a take, I can tell you that Eagles-Patriots one, that was was the best one. Like, that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. To me, those are the best sports like events where there's no lulls and it's just constant back and forth action um like my favorite sporting event probably ever that i've seen was that ucla gonzaga final four game when suggs hits the shot 
Like it's just it's mm-hmm. constant back and forth, man. Like it there was no there was none of those graphics where it was like Gonzaga's going two minutes and fifty seconds without scoring a point. Like there there was none of that. Eagles Pats was the same way. So that's my favorite game. Yeah, and it was uh, but certainly it was a game where they the, you knew watching it, like the offenses were so successful, there were so many big plays that it was just gonna take one play from the defense, and, and that's how you knew who was gonna win the game. And Brandon Graham got the strip you know, sack on Tom Brady. And I knew at that point, I was like, even though there was still a little bit of time on the clock and it was a little bit of a sweat, I knew at that point the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl because they made the big play on defense. And those types of games are just much more exciting where the offenses, you know, are, are having success, moving the ball up and down the field. And you're just waiting for the defense to make the big play to win the game, to be the difference. Um, and, you know, it was a little, this Super Bowl was a little bit different than that. By the way, I got to give you your your flowers. I got to give you a shout out because you were 12 and 1 this postseason, sir. Like that is hard mm-hmm. to do. So, well done. Is there a bet that you like the best throughout the postseason? Like when you were looking at all the games, when you were handicapping and you were filling them out, was there of the 12 winners that you had, was there one that you were like that you put the most amount of money on that you felt the most confident about? Yeah, I mean, if we did it by, like, round, like, I think, you know, that I was really confident with the Chiefs against the Ravens. You know, you can cover your ears, PJ, sorry, but not that they would win the game. Like, if it was was a pick them, I probably would have picked the Ravens. But getting, you know, four and a half in that game, I think it closed at, like, five and a half. I just thought it was way too many points um, in that situation. Houston in the wild card round against Cleveland. Absolutely love that matchup for Houston. I thought Cleveland was getting... Um, just a lot of respect, you know, and you kind of knew with Flacco, like, you know, everybody loved his gunslinger approach, but if he got in a, in a match like that with CJ Stroud, you know, I, I, my money was on Stroud and I think Stroud's a guy that, you know, this time next year, we're going to be talking about as an MVP candidate, you know, got in the conversation this year. I think Houston's in great hands with them. So I loved them in that matchup against Cleveland, despite the market going against me. So there were a couple of spots like that, but they're the two that really jumped out. Yeah, really good handicap on uh, both of those games. You mentioned Cleveland and Joe Flacco, and he is one of the quarterbacks that is going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason. Mitchell Trubisky, we got some news yesterday that he was cut by the Steelers. Adam Schefter, I believe, was uh he was doing an interview with somebody yesterday where he was talking about how the Steelers could be interested in Justin Fields. Maybe Kirk cousins is a free agent, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew. So some of these veteran quarterbacks that have been around a long time, like when you look at some of these quarterbacks, Mark, that are on the market or maybe some quarterbacks who could be in some trade conversations. Is there a QB that, you think would be a really good fit on another team next season? Is there is there a quarterback that you want to see on another team in 2024? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because for, for the majority of the quarterbacks that we see in free agency, like they're there for a reason, right? And I know people want to think that like, hey, if this guy goes here, he's going to make a huge difference. Um, but that's typically not the case. Now, Cousins stands out, like if Cousins is available, um, you know, where he lands, I, I think it's good. You know, does Minnesota bring him back? There's a lot of teams. We know the teams in the top of the draft are, are likely to go after quarterbacks. 
uh, you know, Washington, Chicago. So they'll fill those needs there. Does New England go there or do they go the free agent route? Do they try and get a Kirk Cousins? Do, you know, do they try and trade for a Justin Fields? You know, recently Justin Fields linked to the Steelers. Um, they could possibly make a run at him. I think that would be a great fit. I mean, I think that would be tremendous because I don't think it's an offense that where, um, you know, he would have too much on his shoulders. Like, I think that they want to kind of build the offense to be a balanced attack. Um, you know, Arthur Smith is in there, so you know he's not going to just be throwing the ball 100 times a game, right? Uh, so um, I, I think that would be a good spot for him, you know. But really, it's it's Cousins and it's those teams, you know, in, in the middle of the draft that could probably use an upgrade, a quarterback to kind of look out for um, I'll be interested to see, like, I know that, you know, they gave Geno Smith some money, but Seattle with the new coaching staff in there, like, are, how committed are they to Geno Smith? Do they look to try and do something? So I think there's some teams in the middle there that we should keep an eye on. Agreed. Seattle would be an interesting call. I would look at maybe Denver too, right? There's been some rumblings mm -hmm. that Sean Payton's willing to move up and Obviously, he's already come in there in, in year one and made a significant change, deciding to get away from Russell Wilson. So those could be some teams. Maybe the Steelers, you know, I was just talking about it would be very unconventional for them to, like, trade up and really make a splash move. But that's a team that's kind of just been, like, stuck in the mud. Like, the Steelers, Seahawks, and Broncos, to me, are always kind of in that. They're in that same category, right? Like, maybe they win the division. Probably not. Certainly could all be wild card teams. But, you know, they're not winning the Super Bowl. Like, they're probably not getting the championship Sunday. Uh, now, those are teams that if they get a quarterback – then maybe the conversation changes. But, um, yeah, you're right. Like, those teams would be interesting. Certainly Cousins is going to be the one. I think Baker Mayfield's a free agent, but he made it to the divisional round with Tampa. It's funny, Mark. You know, Tampa was one of those teams coming into the year. We thought they were probably going to have a top three, four pick. And they made it all the way to the divisional round, had a chance maybe of going to the NFC Championship. So I think Baker did enough. Certainly where he's probably going to be the starter for Tampa Bay, come back next season, and uh, you know maybe they'll assess their options after that. Gardner Minshew certainly did a great job with Indianapolis having to step in for Anthony Richardson. I think teams like the Colts, teams like the Bengals, some of these teams where their quarterbacks are kind of injury-prone, right? Like, I think they're going to have to hang on to their backups and make sure they got a good mm -hmm. security blanket. You know, Burrow has never been healthy to start a season. So even though Browning's not a free agent, I certainly think he could gauge some interest in a trade maybe somewhere else. Gardner Minshew might explore his options. But I think these teams where your quarterbacks, you know, maybe mm -hmm. like Arizona too with Kyler Murray, like making sure you get a good backup, um, I, I think it's important for – some of these teams but cousins is certainly the interesting one because mark before he got hurt like he was in the mvp conversation he was playing that good yeah and if in minnesota as well like if minnesota doesn't stick with cousins and they go a different direction what direction do they go the defense very much improved under brian flores um you know we know kevin o'connell's a great offensive mind if he gets the right guy um you know who knows they could be a team to watch out for in that division no doubt. So those are the free agent quarterbacks. We'll discuss the free agent running backs and we come back. You better you bet presented by Bet MGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller filling in for Nick and Ken. Let's get back to You Better You Bet presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. 
You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick Costos, Ken Barkley, final segment here of Hour 1, with you uh, up until 7 o'clock Eastern Time, so plenty of show left. A reminder that we'll be on Stadium from 4 to 6 o'clock Eastern Time, so make sure you go to watchstadium.com. You can check us out over there for the next couple hours. We're still going to be on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM uh, 205, as well as twitch.tv slash betql and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Mark, we talked about some of the quarterbacks that are pending, free agents, Kirk Cousins, obviously, the big name. The running back position, however, there are some some much bigger names on the open market for some of these running backs. As we know, though, with the day and age that we are in the NFL, with the era that we're in, certainly the running backs are not getting as much love as they once <clears throat> were. So, I mean, you're talking Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon, Eckler, Gus Edwards, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. Like, when you look at this free agency, upcoming free agency that we have for some of these running backs, who are some of the names that jump out to you? Well, I think you look at the big ones, right? So we'll we'll start with Derrick Henry and PJ. You know, I know you're going to like this one, right? But is is there any better fit for Derrick Henry then Jim Harbaugh in the L.A. Chargers, you know, Harbaugh returning to the NFL, you know he wants to run the football. He wants to build Michigan here in the NFL. He goes out and gets your guy, Greg Roman, right, and, you know, to design the offense. And I just think that that's – I could definitely see them reaching. I try and look at, you know, the teams last year that were really ineffective, you know, running the football. And, you know, you got the Chargers there. You got Jacksonville. You got Houston, right? I don't think, you know – Derrick Henry's a fit for Houston, but I wouldn't mind seeing Saquon with C.J. Stroud, you know, give them that type of explosive element, give him a weapon like that. So um, I'm excited to see where a lot of these pieces fit, but I got to hear your take on Derrick Henry to the Chargers because I think, you know, outside of Arthur Smith, you know, conning Mike Tomlin to bring him into the Steelers backfield, um, I think that that's a pretty good fit. So I like your thought process of obviously Greg Roman coming in and wanting to go after running back. But, Mark, I think they're going to go after either Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins, if not both, just because those guys are former Ravens, right? They've been in that system. Mm -hmm. They've had success. So obviously Derek might be the best back on the market, but also it is a little bit about fit. And I think Gus and Dobbins being in that system uh, would be a fit. Although I don't know if Dobbins wants to play for Greg Roman after, you know, the amount of touches <laughs> that he got in that playoff game against the Bengals. Um, it's funny, though, Mark, because obviously we have done shows together. You know me well, and I could not stand Greg Roman when he was the OC of the Ravens. I will say, though, year one of Greg Roman is usually very enjoyable Kaepernick and the 49ers in his first full year as a starter. He made it all the way to the Super Bowl. And then obviously Lamar and the Ravens, he won a unanimous MVP. So, you know, Justin Herbert, the Chargers, Harbaugh in year one, even though they got the Chiefs in their division, the AFC is loaded. I think LA could be an interesting watch this year. The problem is, though, his past mm. concepts are so bad, man. So, mm -hmm. like, you want Herbert to develop. I don't know if that's the right fit. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like L I don't like Harbaugh in the NFL year one. I'm not saying he's not going to be successful with the Chargers. Might even win a Super Bowl. Wouldn't surprise me. Year one, don't like it. That's sell, sell, sell in the Chargers. Um, he's been out of the league a decade. 
it's been a decade since he's been in the NFL. I know the guy knows how to coach. The game is much different. It's been 10 years, right? We're walking around with like flip phones and beepers probably 10 years ago, last time he was, you know, coaching in the NFL. So the league has evolved so much. And I know that's similar to college, but it, it's a different game. I think it's going to be hard to step right back in. And the fact that he went out and got Greg Roman didn't really – it wasn't what I wanted to see out of him. Like, I wanted to see, like, hey, I'm going to build a modern offense that's going to really accentuate Herbert's strengths, and, you know, we're going to really work towards his development and build the offense around that. And instead, he's like, let's build the 2014 49ers again, you know? And, and I don't think that's going to work here. Like, I think it's going to take a while for him to adjust. We saw him take a while to adjust when he got to Michigan. Uh, you know, things start off a little bit rocky there. I think we could see the same thing here in LA. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's good points. You bring up, you did mention, you know, we were talking about obviously some of these running backs, you playing for the Ravens, Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins. I could see them going after one of these backs. They're going to have Keaton Mitchell coming back from an ACL tear, but they were the number one mm. running team in football. Nobody runs the ball more than the Ravens do. And there were rumors that they were really close to acquiring Derrick Henry at the trade deadline. The Titans owner just didn't approve it. He didn't want it to go through. But now that he's a free agent, maybe the Ravens decide to go that route. Um, I think Saquon would be too expensive for them. So I think it's probably going to be Derrick Henry. Maybe it could be a Josh Jacobs. But, you know, certainly there are a lot of teams out there that I think are going to want to run the football. Um, potentially the Ravens being one of them. The Chargers you bring up is a really good team. The Steelers kind of have their one-two punch with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and bringing in a guy in Arthur Smith who obviously runs the football. But it's tough, man, for these backs, as we know. Uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were prized possessions in the NFL, and they were used a lot more. They were taken a, hot, a lot higher in fantasy football drafts, and that's just not the case anymore. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing like a couple of years ago, right? Like, he was playing great. Tony Pollard was a great back, had a down year. Saquon's been hurt early on in his career, but these last couple of years, he's managed to stay healthy and turn himself into a really good player. So we'll see, man. I think the Patriots certainly could go after a running mm -hmm. back, right? Because they're probably going to bring in a new quarterback and Gerard Mayo coming in a defensive guy. He's certainly going to want to lean on his defense. And I think play ball control kind of football, possess the clock and run the ball. So the Patriots are a team would also look at maybe the Carolina Panthers investing in a running back, right? Obviously, they don't have their first-round pick. They gave it away to Chicago. Year one under Bryce Young did not go well, but you bring in a new head coach and Dave Canales, and I think they're going to want to run the football and take the pressure off of Bryce a little bit. They started to really do that towards the end of last season. So getting one of these backs, maybe you know you sign them to like a one-year prove-it kind of deal with a bunch of incentives, and you, you see if you can maybe recapture some of the greatness that some of these running backs once had. We're talking about you know a bunch of backs here that are free agents that at one time were some of the top two or three backs in the league. So Panthers, Patriots, some of those teams would be some um, that I would watch that might try and run the ball, but I think you're certainly right. The Chargers with Harbaugh, I don't think Eckler comes back. I think they go elsewhere. And then the Ravens, too, with them having two running backs on being free agents. And, you know, Dobbins has just been so hurt. I think they move on from him. Um, I think they they try and go after somebody else as well. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense, especially when you're talking about the Patriots. Now, who did the Patriots bring in to coordinate the offense? Do they have a 
Did Mayo uh, announce an offensive coordinator? Did I miss that? Yeah, like, I know I think it was Blake Bill was there last year, but now he's in Boston College. He was going to go to Ohio State, and he's moved around. Um, I'm not at that. I'll be interested to see like if they're going to offensively look a little bit like you know what we saw under Belichick, or if they try and change that identity. You know, do they go out and get a young quarterback? Or do they go out and try and get one of these free agents that we talked about, right? Bring somebody in there a little more dynamic. I really think, you know, that's the challenge with New England is, you know, with Mayo in year one is he he has to show that this is a different regime, right? And it's not going to look the same because if it looks the same and the results aren't there, I think, you know, fans are going to get really skeptical early. Yeah, and to your point, Mark, uh, Alex Van Pelt is going to be, or to your question earlier, Alex Van Pelt is going to be the new OC for the Patriots. He comes over from the Browns, right? And what is that Mm -hmm. Browns offense? What's Stefanski all about? It's about running the football, play action off of that. So, again, bringing in a running back for New England, I think, uh, makes a ton of sense. What do you think the Giants do? I mean, they're in such an interesting position because they paid Daniel Jones all that money, but they can actually get out of it relatively soon. Saquon, you give him the franchise tag. You know, Dable's a good coach, but that roster is like a mess, Mark. Like, there really aren't too many players that you could build around on their current team. What do you think happens to Saquon? Do you think the Giants end up bringing him back because he's such a big part of their offense, or do you think he goes somewhere else? I think it'd be hard for them to bring him back because just because they need to spend money elsewhere, right? Like, the defense still not very good. Um, I like some of the young playmakers they have. Like, I like Robinson, you know, from Kentucky, the Hyatt, the kid they got from Tennessee. Like, I think they have some young guys that they can kind of build on as far as weapons. The issue this year is they weren't there yet, and you didn't have the strength at the quarterback position or the offensive line to, to overcome that right while they're still developing. So um, I don't think they need to do, you know, to get crazy as far as like the weapons are around them, but I, I'm interested to see like, you know, is Brian Dable still, you know, buying Daniel Jones? Cause I was shocked when they gave them all that money and now that they have a chance to get out and pivot, maybe they go hard after a cousins, you know, maybe they go hard for somebody in the draft. Like I said, you know, a ton of, um, you know, quarterbacks in the draft, you have Caleb Williams, you know, Drake May, Jaden, Jaden Daniels. So there's a bunch of guys there. There's a bunch of options for the Giants. And I would be shocked if in a year where Dable went from being on top of the world to being, you know, questioned very much is the, you know, what is the direction of this team for him not to try and get stronger at the quarterback position? I think if he goes in there with Daniel Jones, it could be a big mistake. What about DeAndre Swift? You're obviously an Eagles fan. Um, came over in a trade with Detroit on draft night when they got Jameer Gibbs. He's a Philly guy. Thought he played pretty well for the Eagles, all things considered. Had a great start to the year and then kind of fell off a little bit. Eagles are a running football team. No more Jason Kelsey, which is going to hurt that offensive line a little bit. What do you think they do at the running back position? Do you see them bringing back Swift or do you think they go after somebody else? I, I don't know. It depends probably on the deal. Like, I think the most disappointing part about Swift, like I said, was the usage down the stretch, you know, when they really needed it. And they, they, the running game wasn't great last year. I think a lot of people look at the Eagles. They look at what they can do with the offensive line and how historically it was good. But they were not effective running the football a lot this year. And I think that was one of the big differences. How much of that is play calling? You know, we'll find out. We bring in Kellen Moore. But um, it'll depend on the deal. But I think that the fact that the usage tapered off, you know, is probably a sign that they're probably going to go in a different direction. 
One hour down here on You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Still three hours left to go. We're going to start next segment also over on Stadium. So make sure you go to watchstadium.com. You can check us there. Kevin Sweeney is going to join us, Sports Illustrated host, NBA draft analyst covering college basketball. Going to talk to Kevin at the top of hour number two, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, BetQL Network.